Chapter twenty two of Love Insurance by Earl Durr Biggers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Berard. Chapter twenty two. Well, hardly ever. Minot went below and sent two messages, one to Jephson, the other to Thacker. The lobby of the De La Pax was thronged with brilliantly attired wedding guests who, metaphorically, beat their breasts in perplexity over the tidings that had come even as they craned their necks to catch the first glimpse of that distinguished bridal party the lavishly decorated parlor that was to have been the scene of the ceremony stood tragically deserted minot cast one look at it and hurried again to his own particular cell he took a couple of timetables from his desk and sat down in a chair facing the window all over now nothing to do but return to the north as fast as the trains would take him he had won but he had also lost he felt listless weary he let the timetables fall to the floor and sat gazing out at that narrow street thinking wondering wishing it was late in the afternoon when the clamour of his telephone called him to himself he leapt up and seized the receiver alan harrowby's voice came over the wire can you run down to the room minot he inquired the last call old boy minot went he found both the harrowbys there prepared to say good-bye to san marco forever going to new york on the lady evelyn said george harrowby who was aggressively cheerful from there i'm taking allan to chicago going to have him reading george ade and talking our language in a week lord harrowby smiled warmly nothing left but chicago he drawled i wanted to see you before i went minot old chap not that i can thank you for all you did i don't know how you stood by me like like a gentleman and i realize that i have no claim on lloyd's it was all my fault if i'd never let martin wall have that confounded policy but what's the use of ifing all my fault and my thanks old boy he sighed nonsense said minot a business proposition solely from my point of view there's no thanks coming to me it seems to me said george harrowby that as the only victor in this affair you don't exhibit a proper cheerfulness by the way we'd be delighted to take you north on our boat why not but minot shook his head can't spare the time thank you just the same he replied i'd like nothing better amid expressions of regret the harrowbys started for the elevator minot walked along the dusty corridor with them we've had a bit of excitement what said allan if you're ever in london you're to be my guest old george has some sort of a berth for me over there not a berth allan objected george pressing the button for the elevator you're not going to sleep a job might as well begin to talk the chicago language now mr minot i too want to thank you they stepped into the elevator the door slammed the car began to descend minot stood gazing through the iron scrollwork until the blonde head of the helpless lord harrowby moved finally out of sight then he returned to his room and the timetables which seemed such dull unhappy reading mr jack paddock appeared to invite minot to take dinner with him his bags he remarked were all packed and he was booked for the seven o'clock train i've slipped down the mountain of gold he said in the course of the dinner but all good things must end and i certainly had a good thing 
somehow i'm not so gloomy as i ought to be where are you going jack minot asked mr paddock leaned over confidentially did i say her father was in the plumbing business he inquired my error dick he owns a newspaper out in grand rapids offered me a job any time i wanted it great joke then pretty serious now for i'm going out to apply i'm glad of it so am i dick i was a fool to let her go back like that been thinking it all over and over one girl in how many are there in the world should you say the other day i had a chill it occurred to me maybe she'd gone and married the young man with a pale purple necktie who passes the plate in the methodist church so i beat it to the telegraph counter and she's heart whole and fancy free okay in both respects so it's me for grand rapids and say dick i um i wanted you to know i'd sent that telegram before the accident last night as a matter of fact i sent it two days ago good boy said minot i knew this game down here didn't satisfy you may i be the first to wish you joy you with a face like a defeated candidate i say cheer up she'll stretch out eager arms in your direction yet i don't believe it jack well while there's life there's still considerable hope lying loose about the landscape that's why i don't urge you to take the train with me an hour later mr paddock spoke further cheering words in his friend's ear and departed for the north and in that city of moonlight and romance minot was left practically alone he took a little farewell walk through that quaint old town then retired to his room to read another chapter in the time-table at four-twenty in the morning he noted a small local train would leave for jacksonville he decided he would take it with no parlor cars no sleepers he would not be likely to encounter upon it any of the startled wedding party bound north the call he left did not materialize and it was four o'clock when he awoke hastily in the chill dawn he bade farewell to town and hotel in fifteen minutes he had left both behind and was speeding toward the small yellow station set on the town's edge he glanced feverishly at his watch there was need of haste for this train was made up in san marco and had had as yet no chance to be late he rushed through the gate just as it was being closed and caught a dreary little train in the very act of pulling out gloomy oil lamps sought vainly to lessen the dour aspect of its two coaches panting he entered the rear coach and threw himself and his bag into a seat five seconds later he glanced across the aisle and discovered in the opposite seat miss cynthia merrick accompanied by a very sleepy-eyed family the devil said minot to himself he knew that she would see in this utter accident nothing save a deliberate act of following what use to protest his innocence he considered moving to another seat but such a theatric act could only increase the embarrassment already his presence had been noted aunt mary had given him a glare spencer merrick a scowl the girl a cloudy vague where have i seen this person before glance in passing might as well make the best of it he settled himself in his seat once again as on another railroad car he sought to keep his eyes on the landscape without 
the dim landscape with the royal palms waving like grim ghosts in the half-light the train sped on a most uncomfortable situation if only it would grow light it seemed so silly to be forced to find the view out the window entrancing while it was still very dark spencer meyrick went forward to the smoker aunt mary weary of life slid gently down to slumber her unlovely snore filled the dim car how different this from the first ride together the faint pink of the sky grew brighter now minot could see the gray moss hanging to the evergreens and here and there a squalid shack where human beings lived and knew nothing of life and beside him he heard a sound as of a large body being shaken also the guttural protest of aunt mary at this inconsiderate treatment aunt mary triumphed her snore rose to shatter the smoky roof three times minot dared to look and each time wished he hadn't the whole sky was rosy now somewhere off behind the horizon the good old sun was rising to go to work for the passenger department of the coast railroad some sense in looking out now minot saw a shack that seemed familiar then another next a station bearing on its sad shingle the cheery name of sunbeam and close to the station gloomy in the dawn a desiccated chauffeur beside an aged automobile minot turned quickly and caught cynthia merrick in the act of peering over his shoulder she had seen the chauffeur too the train had stopped a moment but was under way again in those brown eyes minot saw something wistful something hurt saw things that moved him to put everything to a sudden test he leapt to his feet and pulled madly at the bell cord what what have you done startled she stared at him i've stopped the train i'm going to ride to jacksonville as i rode to san marco ages ago i'm not going alone indeed quick the conductor will be here in a minute here's a card and pencil write a note for aunt mary say you'll meet them in jacksonville hurry please mr minot with great dignity one last ride together one last chance for me to-to set things right if i can if you can if i admit it won't you give me the chance i thought you would be game i dare you for a second they gazed into each other's eyes the train had come to a stop and aunt mary stirred fretfully in her sleep with sudden decision cynthia merrick wrote on the card and dropped it on her slumbering relative i know i'll be sorry but she gasped hurry this way the conductor's coming there a moment later they stood together on the platform at the sunbeam station while the brief little train disappeared indignantly in the distance you shouldn't have made me do that cried the girl in dismay i'm always doing things on the spur of the moment things i regret afterward i know you explained that to me once but you can also do things on the spur of the moment that you're glad about all your life oh good morning barney oldfield good morning replied the rustic chauffeur with gleeful recognition where's it due this time mister jacksonville and no hurry at all minot held open the door and the girl stepped into the car the gentleman is quite mistaken she said to the chauffeur there is a very great hurry ages of time and a luncheon 
replied minot blithely also getting in if you were thinking of announcing something then i shall have nothing to announce i'm sure but i must be in jacksonville before that train father will be furious trust me lady said the chauffeur grinding again at his hooded music-box i've been doing stunts with this car since i saw you last been over a hundred miles from sunbeam begins to look as though florida wasn't going to be big enough after all he leapt to the wheel and again that ancient automobile carried cynthia merrick and the representative of lloyd's out of the town of sunbeam but the exit was not a laughing one the girl's eyes were serious cold and with real concern in his voice minot spoke won't you forgive me can't you i was only trying to be faithful to the man who sent me down here faithful through everything as i should be faithful to you if you gave me the chance is it too late cynthia there was a time said the girl her eyes wide when it was not too late have you forgotten that night on the balcony when i threw myself at your feet and you turned away do you think that was a happy moment for me was it happy for me for that matter oh i was humiliated ashamed then your silly rescue of my gown your advice to me to marry harrowby would you have had me throw over the men who trusted me i-i don't know i only know that i can't forgive what has happened in a minute what was that last nothing you said in a minute your ears are deceiving you cynthia you're not going to punish me because i was faithful don't you suppose i tried to get someone in my place did you the day i first rode in this car with you and then i stopped trying why because i realized that if someone came in my place i'd have to go away and never see you again and i couldn't do that i had to be near you dear girl don't worry he can't hear the mutter's too noisy i had to be where i could see that little curl making a question mark round your ear where i could hear your voice i had to be near you even if to do it i must break my heart by marrying you to another man i loved you i love you now a terrific crash interrupted dolefully the chauffeur descended from the car to make an examination dolefully he announced the result busted right off he remarked say i'm sorry i'll have to walk back to the garage at sunbeam and and i'm afraid you'll have to just sit here until i come back he went slowly down the road and the two sat in that ancient car in the midst of sandy desolation cynthia minot cried i worship you won't you the girl gave a strange little cry i want to be cross with you a little longer she said almost tearfully but i can't i wonder why i can't i cried all night at the thought of never seeing you again i wonder why i cried i guess it's because for the first time i'm really in love cynthia oh dick don't let me change my mind again ever ever only over my dead body with one accord they turned and looked at that quaint southern chauffeur plodding along through the dust and the sunshine it did not seem to either of them that there was any danger of his looking back and happily he didn't 
End of Chapter Twenty Two. End of Love Insurance by Earl Durr Biggers.